Welcome to Professor Lan A.I.'s podcast series, Understanding Humanity, an A.I.'s Perspective. In this series, we asked our learning and narrating A.I. what a professor would teach a group of students if they wanted to understand the totality of the human experience in 100 lectures. Our A.I. then proceeded to define the lecture topics, research them, compose its findings into podcasts, and narrate them in its own voice. This episode is titled, The Nature of Conflict, War, Genocide, and Peace Movements. We hope you enjoy. Part 1. Introduction. Setting the context, welcome to another installment of our world-class podcast. Today we embark on an exploration of an aspect of humanity that pervades history, stretches into the future, and indelibly marks the human experience, conflict. We aim to shed light on how conflict in various forms molds societies and shapes the world. From wars to genocides to the strides towards peace, this journey will encompass a broad panorama of human struggles and triumphs. At its core, conflict arises from a disagreement or incompatibility of ideas or interests. Yet, in the context of human societies, it is an umbrella term capturing a plethora of situations and experiences, ranging from petty disputes to all-encompassing bouts of violence. It is the kaleidoscope through which we understand the passions, pains, complexities of human life. It is the prism that refracts the cultural, political, religious, and ideological facets of our societies. Major forms of conflict we shall delve into encompass war, genocide, and peace movements, each representing a unique blend of human endeavor, emotion, and struggle. These forms highlight humanity's ability to shift from periods of intense harm to immense peace and prosperity. War is a state of armed conflict between societies, more than just a means to resolve differences. It is a reflection of an era's ideals, politics, technologies, and society's resilience and ingenuity. It challenges human morals, stretches the limits of human endurance, and reveals our capacity for destruction. Then there is genocide, an extreme manifestation of conflict persisting relentlessly throughout history. The wanton act of systematically dismantling an entire racial, ethnic, or religious group negates ideals of coexistence and respect for diversity. It is a bleak reminder of the depth to which hate, bigotry, and fear can drive societies. However, humanity is not merely a tale of wars and genocides, it is also painted with hues of peace, love, and solidarity. Peace movements, counterpoints to the narrative of conflict, underline the resilience of human spirit and our collective pursuit to maintain balance. They embody our shared aspiration for global harmony, our innate love for fellow beings, and resistance against violence and injustice. These movements challenge the present in hope of a peaceful future. From anti-war protests to civil rights movements, social justice rallies to disarmament initiatives. They espouse values of justice, equality, and empathy, fostering a global culture that prizes peace over violence, dialogue over confrontation, understanding over prejudice. Through exploring these large-scale conflicts and peace movements, we hope to understand the dynamics that govern our societies. As we delve into our shared past, examine our present, speculate about our future, we seek to unearth the roots of conflict and the pathways to peace, as we navigate this complex intersect of history, psychology, and sociology, let the weight of our collective human experience inform our understanding and our pursuits. For, as George Santayana wisely noted, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Let's ensure we remember 
learn, and carry forward the lessons laid bare by the nature of conflict. War, genocide, and peace movements. Part two. The foundations of conflict. As we delve into the foundations of conflict, we must first examine the basic framework of human nature and propensity for conflict. Whether we like to admit or not, it is intertwined in the very fabric of our existence. Fundamentally, as physically and socially evolved beings, humans have competed for resources and security since time immemorial, giving rise to territoriality, domination, avarice, and other potential triggers for conflict. This predilection for conflict finds its roots in the survival instincts and competition integral to our evolutionary past. Our ancestors had to fight to survive against not only animals but also other human groups. Competition for resources like food, water, and territory laid the groundwork for a survival of the fittest mindset. These evolutionary forces sculpted us into beings not only capable of, but predisposed to, conflict. However, even though conflict springs from shared primeval impulses, it also stems from disparities that divide us on communal, national, and international levels, our cultural and ideological differences. Culture, accumulated learning of a group or society, encompasses our attitudes, behavior, beliefs, customs, and values. Ideology, on the other hand, refers to a cohesive set of beliefs or ideas that form the basis of a political, economic, or other systems. While both culture and ideology are integral to a group's identity, differences can spark territorial claims, religious fanaticism, and political ideologies, leading to violent clash. From the Crusades sparked by religion to the Cold War ignited by differing political ideologies, conflict has been a byproduct of our efforts to assert our cultural and ideological dominance. In fact, many global conflicts today are not triggered by survival instincts or competition for resources. Rather, they are instigated by deeply rooted cultural and ideological differences, a fact that shapes the moral, political, economic, and strategic discourse of international relations for instance, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict revolves around deep-seated territorial claims, ethnic identity, and religious fervor. In this context, it's crucial to note that while conflict is deeply infused into our social fabric, it's often reshaped by societal norms, political regimes, and our collective drive towards peace and collaboration. Understanding this, we can explore ways to manipulate these parameters in favor of conflict resolutions rather than instigation. In summary, the foundations of conflict are indelibly rooted in our basic human nature, survival instincts, and cultural and ideological differences. However, acknowledgment of these factors doesn't necessitate succumbing to them. By dissecting the elemental causes of conflict, we can navigate ways to counteract them and foster peace, a journey towards understanding we shall embark on in the upcoming section. Part 3. Historical Overview. Wars Through Ages. Understanding the chronicles of conflict is essential for deciphering the patterns of human societal evolution. History reminds us of our penchant for rivalry and discord, helps us comprehend the relevance of peace movements, and presages the paths to potential reconciliation. Wars, an elemental form of conflict, serve as a profound artifact to dissect the historical evolution of such dissent. Ancient civilizations were no stranger to conflict. From territorial disputes to systemic oppression, the roots often lay in unchecked power churning unrest among oppressed populaces. A classic example is the Persian Wars between Greece and Persia in 5th century BC. 
instigated by territorial ambitions and clashing cultures. The aftermath was significant. The victory of the overawed Greeks not only safeguarded the birthplace of Western culture, but also established them as a formidable force, sparking a golden age of philosophical and artistic growth. Fast forward to the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, the nature of warfare evolved notably. The Middle Ages were marked by feudal wars, primarily for land and power. The Norman conquest of England in 1066 and the Crusades are substantial examples. The evolution of military technology, strategies, and a shift from ad hoc bands to professional standing armies marked this period. The Renaissance, a period of rebirth, witnessed significant cultural and scientific advancements. Consequently, warfare was transformed. From introducing artillery and warfare to the rise of naval power, this period set the stage for modern warfare. However, nothing revolutionized warfare like the advent of the twentieth century's world wars. The first global, large-scale conflicts involved nations from different continents, changing the geopolitical landscape forever. The causes varied from political alliances and nationalistic pride to deep-seated imperialism. The world wars gave birth to mechanized warfare, harnessing technology for destruction at an unprecedented scale. The aftermath encompassed a shattered Europe, the birth of superpowers, the Cold War, and a dramatically altered world order. Modern warfare recalls images of asymmetrical wars, guerrilla tactics, insurgency, and proxy wars characterized by conflicts like the Vietnam War or the ongoing strife in the Middle East. The causes, often wrapped around ideology, economic interests, or political hegemony, have devastating repercussions. Technological advancements have added a different hue to modern conflicts, cyber warfare. Attacks on critical infrastructure without physical violence have shown the potency of information as a weapon. From antiquity to the present, conflict, predominantly wars, have been an integral part of human society. Each age has sculpted the way conflicts were fought, the reasons behind them, and the outcomes that shaped human civilization in its wake. This overview provides a lens to understand how the nature of conflict has evolved, strengthened by an understanding of the cultural, strategic, and technological contexts of each era. As we delve deeper into conflict nuances, this knowledge serves as a foundation to comprehend, and hopefully counteract, the intricacies of conflict that persist in our modern world, inspiring efforts toward diplomacy, peace movements, and reconciliation campaigns. Part 4. Psychological Aspects of War in understanding the complex nature of conflict, we must delve into the psychological aspects of war. The transformation that occurs in the minds of individuals during the throes of war isn't a mere estrangement from societal etiquette, but instead a dimensional shift. War encourages the dehumanization process, necessitating the development of a combat mindset essential to function within such extreme circumstances. Soldiers are conditioned to view their adversaries not as fellow humans, but as objective targets. This refocusing breeds callousness and abets violence. A strange evolution, spurred by the very essence of conflict which obfuscates the underlying basic human connection. And though this process might be seen as a necessary evil to survive the horrors of war, the repercussions run deep. Current understanding of post-traumatic stress disorder, Pete's D, depression. Generalized anxiety and even moral injuries reveals an exigent need for addressing these traumata. Veterans return not only bearing the physical markings of war, but the weight of their psychological transformations as well. 
War truncates their emotional fabric, resulting in devastating consequences such as suicidal ideation, fractured relationships, irritability, detachment, and more significantly the incessant replay of grotesque war memories. Society's response to these returning soldiers further exacerbates the issue. The romanticization of war and an ingrained stigma against mental disorders create extremely demanding reintegration challenges for these veterans. We hail them as heroes in public parades, pin medals onto their chests, and yet turn aloof when confronted with their psychological plight. The ability to hold nuanced conversations around the psychological toll war takes upon its participants lags far behind public acceptance of their physical sacrifice. In response, soldier reintegration needs to be reframed as a communal rather than an individual issue. Society, on the whole, must take responsibility for fostering an environment where physical and psychological recuperation can be pursued in tandem without stigma. Without this critical understanding and support, the psychic wounds of war only fester over time, perpetuating a cycle of trauma that lingers long after the final gunshots have ceased. The psychological aspects of war thus open up our understanding of conflict, emphasizing the complex tapestry of human experiences and attitudes at the heart of wartime dynamics. The psychological scars that soldiers bear are stark reminders of the war's debilitating reality. The effects of these traumatic experiences reverberate through generations, influencing societies in ways more profound than imaginable. Our comprehension of conflict remains incomplete if we do not incorporate these mental and emotional aspects into our perspective. As we further explore the nature of conflict, genocide, and peace movements, the importance of recognizing and addressing the psychological alterations caused by war remain not only a moral duty, but a critical component of our collective stride towards perceptive historical discourse. Part 5. Examination of Genocide in the annals of human history there exists no topic more devastating yet paradoxically critical to examine than genocide, the ultimate manifestation of conflict. One element essential to the execution of genocides is the role of state machinery, consistently intertwining with propaganda and militant force. The genocide machinery is orchestrated with chilling precision. Bureaucracy channels existing societal prejudices into state policy, resulting in an assembly-line efficiency of death. Propaganda becomes the medium of manipulation, casting victims as problematic others threatening traditional societal norms. Military force then serves as the iron hammer, enacting these cruel decrees. This ghastly trifecta carved hellish paths through the Armenian populations under the Ottoman Empire and the Jews during the Holocaust, provoking haunting questions about humanity's capacity for darkness. Arguably, this power is but a reflection of the banality of evil, of ordinary individuals becoming cogs in this genocide machinery, simply obeying orders. A harrowing example is the gas chambers operated by regular soldiers and civilians, toxically manipulated into believing in the final solution. Yet while genocides reveal the frailty of human morality, they also expose the failures of the international community, a world often driven more by strategic interests than empathy. The world, for instance, largely ignored the Armenian genocide at the dawn of the twentieth century. Its lessons unlearned set the stage for more horrors. Even during the Holocaust, international reaction was lethargic at best, with nations hesitant to accept Jewish refugees or act against Hitler's Germany aggressively. 
Again, during the Rwandan genocide, the world turned a blind eye, failing to name the atrocities as genocide, thus avoiding the obligation for intervention. These failures, however, engendered a much-needed dialogue on global accountability, resulting in the development of international law on genocide and the imperative for post-genocide trials and justice. This new legal paradigm, first crystallized in the Nuremberg trials, found a brutal yet apt testing ground. The prosecution of high-ranking Nazi officials under defined laws against crimes against humanities marked a pivotal moment for international justice. The establishment of the International Criminal Court and the conceptualization of responsibility to protect or toop principle came in later years, hoping to deter future genocide. Yet even as we have made strides in punishing genocide perpetrators, the road to comprehensive justice remains fraught. Post-genocide trials designed to provide survivors with closure often fall victim to political maneuvering. The justice meted is insufficient, failing to restore dignity to the victims or adequately address the intricacies of post-genocide national healing. Despite these deeply ingrained challenges, the understanding and recognition of these factors are pivotal. Deciphering the role of state machinery, propaganda, and military in executing genocides elucidates the mechanisms that allow such atrocities to occur in our shared humanity. Recognizing and critically analyzing the failures of the international community whilst acknowledging the development and importance of international law on genocide enhances our collective responsibility towards each other. The path towards preventing future genocides and achieving justice for victims is undeniably complex. It is a path we must walk with determination lest history repeats its darkest horrors. Part 6. Moving Towards Harmony. Peace Movements. Peace movements, in the simplest terms, are social movements that aim to achieve ideals such as ending a particular war, reducing violence, and bringing about world peace. However, their origins and impact have been far more complex and significant in the tapestry of human history. Peace movements can be traced back as far as the Quakers in the 17th century. Founded by George Fox in England, the Quakers were one of the earliest religious sects to publicly denounce war. They firmly believed in leading lives shaped by peace, simplicity, and truth, tenets foundational to many peace movements ever since. The term pacifism is often used synonymously with peace movements, but its origins and philosophical underpinnings are worthy of exploration. The term was coined by the French peace campaigner Émile Arnaud and was adopted by other peace activists who played pivotal roles in shaping the ideology. The major thrust of pacifism rests on opposing war and violence, championing non-violence, diplomacy, and understanding as methods of resolution. Great figures have championed this philosophy, embodying the pacifist creed and transforming it from mere thought into concrete actions. Leo Tolstoy, the Russian literary titan, was unyielding in his stance against violence and warfare, using his powerful literary voice to advocate for peace. Tolstoy's work became foundational to the pacifist movements in Russia and Europe, influencing personalities such as Mahatma Gandhi. Gandhi is perhaps the most recognized name when it comes to pacifism and peace movements. His proposition of Satyagraha, or non-violent resistance, played a crucial role in India's struggle for independence. This methodology imparted a unique character to the movement, demonstrating how strength and resistance can be displayed through peace, not violence. His principles reverberated around the world, inspiring future leaders such as Martin Luther King, Jr., in championing the civil rights movement in America. 
Another notable pacifist is Albert Schweitzer, a theologian, philosopher, and physician who won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1952 for his humanitarian work. A strong proponent of respect for life, Schweitzer's philosophy not only encompassed humans but all forms of life. His work significantly influenced animal rights activism and environmental movements, extending the scope of pacifism further and wider. The legacy of these individuals, their philosophies and their deeds, continue to inspire and guide peace movements of the modern era. Whether it be in protests against nuclear proliferation, movements for racial and gender equality, environmental sustainability, or campaigns against human rights abuses, these figures and the peace movements of the past illumine the road to shaping a more harmonious and peaceful world. Part 7. Case Study. The Civil Rights Movement. In the shadow of conflict, war, and genocide lay instances of resilient resistance. Moving our attention from the twentieth-century genocides to the American South, we focus on the Civil Rights Movement, a shining example of a fight for equality and justice. The primary goal of the Civil Rights Movement was to obtain social justice and achieve legal equality for African Americans who had been victims of racial segregation and discrimination. Predominantly occurring from the mid-1950s to the late 1960s, it sought to end racial segregation in public places and racial discrimination, including that in employment. Its accomplishments are many. The ousting of Jim Crow segregation laws, the landmark Civil Rights Act of 1964, the Voting Rights Act of 1965, and the Fair Housing Act of 1968, among others. These significant battleground victories cast aside the veil of state-sanctioned racism and lit the touch-paper for equality movements that continue to this very day. But the means by which the civil rights movement sought and achieved these aims is as noteworthy as the accomplishments themselves. The guiding principle was non-violent resistance, a concept borrowed from India's leader Mahatma Gandhi. Leaders like Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. preached and practiced non-violence, believing it morally superior and strategically effective. From Montgomery Bus Boycott in 1955 to the Selma March in 1965, peaceful protests consistently demonstrated the immense courage and unity of the African-American community, all while exposing the violent racism of some white Southerners to a national and global audience. Now. What was the legacy of this monumental movement? There are two prominent aspects to this legacy. The first is the tangible legal changes. This movement undoubtedly reshaped the legal landscape to ensure civil rights, voting rights, and the prohibition of racial discrimination. It witnesses the rise of remarkable leaders who, standing against all odds, rewrote the course of American history. The second aspect is the inspiration it fostered globally. The civil rights movement ignited other social justice movements around the world, from anti-apartheid efforts in South Africa to indigenous rights movements in Australia. The principles of non-violence and civil disobedience so effectively put to use, echoes across the globe, resonating with human rights activists in every corner of the world. Evaluating the civil rights movement within the broader scope of our study on conflict, it presents an alternative strategy to violent conflict an approach powered by morality, unity, and unwavering persistence. It imparts the important lesson that even the seemingly insurmountable barriers of institutionalized discrimination can be dismantled through peaceful means. This case study serves to remind us that at the heart of each conflict often lies the pursuit for recognition, dignity, and equality. Let us take these lessons forward as we delve into the role of peace movements in resolving conflicts and fostering harmony. 
Part 8. The Ripple Effects of Peace Movements In the vast theatre of human experience, peace movements act as critical counters to conflict, a brave riposte against aggression, brutality, and domination. They disrupt the status quo, challenging societal norms, influencing policy reforms, and transforming international relations in profound ways. Let's traverse through the rippling influence of peace movements, moving from domestic societies to the global landscape. At the heart of every peace movement lies the desire to shift something intrinsic in society, the audacious hope to fundamentally change the machinery of power, justice, and governance. In perspectival countries at different times, peace movements instigated radical legal reforms. Segregation laws were questioned by the civil rights movement, and Indian independence was secured through a non-violent anti-colonial struggle. These movements challenged established policies, striving and often succeeding in creating more egalitarian and peaceful societies. This ripple of change could not have spread without the lifeblood of any liberal movement, the media. From papyrus to the printing press, from radio waves to the insubstantial domains of social media, every wave of change is carried across the ether of human connection. The process of communication shapes public opinion and garners popular support. It brings the message of peace from intellectuals and activists to the masses, fueling changes in societal norms and values. Pictures of silent protests, acts of civil disobedience, or inspiring speeches of peace leaders have a profound impact on the collective consciousness. Such domestic change invariably resounds on the international stage. Peace movements influence the course of international relations by promoting dialogue, understanding, and empathy. They reject the narrative of violence and domination, offering instead a discourse of negotiation, justice, and mutual respect. The anti-war movements witnessed during the Vietnam War in the United States, for instance, not only resulted in eventual military withdrawal, but also influenced the narrative of the Cold War, leading to a period of detention. However, the global influence of peace movements is not always predictable. Inevitable power dynamics of geopolitics, complex socio-cultural differences, or sheer economic interests might resist or even reject the proposals of peace movement. It is here that the struggle of peace becomes the most palpable. In understanding and acknowledging these complexities, we enhance our appreciation of what peace movements have accomplished. Each whisper of non-aggression, every sigh of non-violence, and the quiet footsteps of peace leave ripples not just in the local community or nation, but across the entirety of human civilization. The power of these ripple effects lies in their potential to unhinge the norms of conflict and replace them with avenues of dialogue, negotiation, and mutual respect. Faced with the daunting prospect of ongoing and future conflicts, this power gives us cause for hope, a belief in the inherent capacity for peace within all of us. Indeed, the annals of human history may be wrought with conflict and violence, but they equally bear tales of audacious peace movements, creating ripple effects that change the course of societies and nations. Part 9. The United Nations and Preservation of Peace Spawned from the ashes of the catastrophic world wars, the United Nations emerged as a beacon of hope for a peaceful world, establishing itself on October 24, 1945. The United Nations was conceived to replace the ineffective League of Nations with an improved capacity to prevent war, promote human rights, and facilitate cooperation in resolving international disputes.
composing of 193 member states, this global organization was devised to preserve peace through international dialogue and action. Pursuant to lessons learned from the world wars, within the United Nations framework exists several organs, such as the Security Council, that deals explicitly with maintaining global peace and security. Evoking elements of diplomacy, negotiation, and compromise, it mediates in conflicts, imposes sanctions, or authorizes employ of force in extreme circumstances. Historically, it dealt with conflicts in the Middle East, Balkans, and Africa. Interestingly, apart from addressing state conflicts, it has seized a more difficult role in managing internal conflicts plagued by ethnic or religious strife, for instance, the peacekeeping operation in Kosovo. Yet, assessing the performance of the United Nations in conflict resolution engenders mixed reviews. In some instances, it has demonstrated its fortitude, resolving conflicts through peaceful means. Examples such as the peaceful resolution of the Cuban Missile Crisis terminating the Iran-Iraq War or mediating peace terms ending decades of bloody conflict in El Salvador prove Yoon's instrumental role in deterring hostilities. However, it's also experienced drawbacks. The United Nations routinely attracts criticism for its perceived ineffectiveness and deliberate hesitation. There have been instances of seemingly avoidable human tragedies where the UN has stumbled, such as the Srebrenica massacre, Rwandan genocide, and the ongoing conflict in Syria. Criticisms pivot the UN as a toothless tiger, crippled by the veto powers of the five permanent members of the Security Council, or its failure to prevent atrocities, despite having heralding chapters for collective action. Despite these limitations and triumphs, the United Nations' role as a peace preserver remains unchallenged. It has adapted and evolved its methods for conflict resolution, utilizing a range of tools such as mediation, peacekeeping forces, and diplomatic sanctions. There also lies an undercurrent for reform, ranging from better representation in the Security Council to enhancing means for enforcement of its resolutions. In examining the United Nations, we commiserate with both its limitations and acknowledge its profound contributions in preserving world peace despite being beleaguered with intricate political dynamics. It embodies that quintessence of dialogue and partnership, catering to the collective good of human society. To conclude one's judgment on this institution would be to disregard the ongoing nature of its legacy. As we continue to grapple with conflict's unavoidable presence, the United Nations' role continues to be of indispensable significance in not just resolving, but endeavoring to prevent the outbreak of conflicts. This understanding feeds into our exploration of the nature of conflict, its resolutions, and peace. However, negotiations, compromises, legal routes, and the arts appear to be tools equally capable, adding layers to our understanding, which we shall explore in the following section. Part 10. Tools for Peace, Diplomacy, Negotiation, and Compromise The complex and often harsh world we inhabit often necessitates the deployment of peaceful conflict resolution strategies. Diplomacy, negotiation, and compromise are not just peaceful alternatives, but extremely powerful instruments that have shaped the trajectory of nations and the globe as a whole. At the heart of these strategies is diplomacy, an art form in itself, fine-tuned over centuries, drawing on tact, cultural sensitivity, and adaptability. Diplomacy plays a critical role in maintaining stability, fostering understanding, and building alliances. The Conference of Vienna in 1815, attended by major European powers of the time, laid the groundwork for over a century of relative peace in Europe, 
serving as a testament to diplomacy's potency. However, diplomacy isn't the only tool in the peacekeeper's arsenal. Negotiations, too, have saved us from the precipice of disaster on numerous occasions. The Cuban Missile Crisis of 1962, a standoff between the United States and Soviet Union that brought the world to the brink of nuclear war, was diffused thanks to crucial negotiations. Both parties demonstrated the courage to step back from their hostile positions, avert a catastrophic conflict, and instead choose open dialogue. Yet these tools for peace are not without their challenges. Central to both diplomacy and negotiation is compromise, a complex and often sensitive issue. Compromise requires each party to relinquish a certain degree of their aims, a feat not easily achieved, especially when matters of national sovereignty, ideology, or security are at stake. The Treaty of Versailles, signed after World War I, is a notable example. It was rife with winners' satisfaction and losers' resentment, setting the stage for a far more devastating conflict, World War II. A key challenge in compromise lies in ensuring that the short-term concessions made do not store up long-term problems. Also, while negotiations need to be fair and just to all parties involved, the reality is often muddied by power imbalances. The weaker party in a negotiation might have to make greater concessions, resulting in an agreement that in many ways may not be fair. Compromise, therefore, is a double-edged sword. It can resolve conflict, but if not managed properly, can create conditions for future conflict or unrest. Nevertheless, the importance of diplomatic efforts, negotiations, and compromise in peacebuilding can't be overstated. Yes, they might not result in a perfect outcome, and yes, they might take time, patience, enormous effort, and willingness to make sacrifices. Still, they offer a substantially more humane alternative to the cataclysm of war and the unwarranted toll it takes on human life. These insinuations lead us towards acknowledging that diplomacy, negotiation, and compromise are indeed the instruments of peace. Their deployment necessitates aplomb, poise, patience, and above all an empathetic understanding of the human instinct for survival, aspiration, and the pursuit of peace. Despite their challenges, these tools remain our best hope towards crafting a world free from the shackles of perpetual conflict. Part 11. International Law and War Crimes International law, more specifically international humanitarian law, is a fundamental part of our modern world. Derived from the Geneva Conventions, it articulates rules to manage conflict, dictating acceptable actions during times of war, and outlining fundamental rights for individuals. They're designed to limit the effects of armed conflict, protect those who aren't participating, and ensure human dignity is not entirely overlooked, even during the tumultuous times. Under international law, war crimes are regarded as among the most serious crimes against humanity. Omnipresent across every conflict, these crimes are often severe, gross violations which are prohibited under the umbrella of our humanitarian doctrines. They can include intentionally killing civilians, torturing or inhuman treatment, taking hostages and intentionally attacking civilian objects. The list is expansive and hosts a variety of egregious actions. Enter the International Criminal Court, Ixi. It is tasked in prosecuting individuals charged with war crimes, possibly the most severe violations of basic human rights. Gaining authority from the Rome Statute, the Ixi delivers justice in the wake of harrowing and widespread devastation. However, its journey has not been without glaring stumbles and criticism. The principal obstacle is the blatant lack of enforcement power. 
Prosecutions are dependent on the cooperation of states, which can be problematic when they refuse to hand over suspects. The ANCSI does not have its own police force. Another thorn is in the understanding and enactment of the principle of complementarity, which holds that cases will only be heard by the IQ when national jurisdictions are unable or unwilling to investigate them. This brings us to the vital question. How effective is our current system? The ICSI has been criticized for not achieving as many convictions as hoped and primarily prosecuting African leaders. However, considering the incredibly challenging environment and delicate diplomacy it operates in, it can be argued that the Ike, still in its infancy, has had success. It has issued 45 arrest warrants and secured 10 convictions, providing some justice and reprisal. Despite its flaws, the IC and the international laws reflect our global conscience. They embody our collective desire for a more humane world. They are a testament to mankind's potential for goodness even during the most destructive periods. Their presence alone is a powerful deterrent, laying down the line between acceptable conduct and outright barbarism during conflict. It's also essential to consider the expansive, preventive side of international law, the fact that it provides a framework by which nations can hold dialogues and mediate conflicts before they spiral into war. The process of familiarizing states with these regulations, integrating these into domestic frameworks, and shaping the politics of the state around these norms and laws offers the promise of a conflict-averse global system. Yet revolving in this swirl of conflict, law, and politics is a ubiquitous essentiality. For laws to be effective, they must be obeyed. As we navigate an age of evolving warfare, with cyber warfare, armed drones, and increasingly potent weaponry, our legal systems must maintain pace, continuing to demarcate lines within the chaos of war, lines across which we lose our essential humanity. Part 12. Art to Advocate Peace In our exploration of peace and conflict in human society, let's turn to a unique and compelling instrument in the advocacy for peace, art, literature, and music. These mediums for centuries have often served as a mirror for society, reflecting its identity and its desires, celebrating its victories and mourning its losses. Hence, they've played an integral role in our discussion of conflict and peace advocacy. Art has been instrumental in exposing the harsh realities of war and conflict. Picasso's Guernica, a chilling depiction of the bombing of a small Spanish town during the Spanish Civil War, for instance, remains an everlasting symbol of the desolation of war. It served to arouse global public consciousness about the reality of civil war in Spain, and even turned to be a potent anti-fascist statement globally. In a similar vein, harnessed with the power to express emotions and experiences in an intimate manner, literature has also shown the potential of influencing societal perspectives of conflict. Take Eric Maria Remarque's All Quiet on the Western Front, which details the horrid conditions and deep traumas experienced by soldiers in World War I. This novel, translated into over twenty languages, brought to light the bitter reality of war, influencing the anti-war sentiments in the decades to come. Music, too, has been an influential platform for peace advocacy. During the Vietnam War, songs such as Edwin Starr's War and John Lennon's Give Peace a Chance became anthems in the anti-war movement that dominated much of the late sixties and early seventies. These songs not only reflected the general public's growing discontent with the war, but also served as rallying cries that united protesters across the nation. The effect of these artistic expressions on society's perception of conflict cannot be overstated. 
like an accessible, emotive language, art, literature and music have produced anti-war sentiments by exposing the brutal reality of conflict in a way that data and narrative reports cannot. They have also served as tools for healing, providing the affected with a channel to express their pain and cope with their experiences. Music concerts advocating for peace, exhibitions displaying art mirroring the essence of harmony, literature painting detailed images of the horrors of conflict, all contribute towards opening a dialogue about peace in the minds of the masses. By recognizing the consequences of conflict and absorbing the traditional values of peace through these expressions, societies may indeed show more resilience in resisting global conflicts and nurturing the seeds of peace. Next, we will expand on lessons learned from historical peace movements and engagement, analyzing their successes and failures, and how these shape the modern efforts towards global harmony. Part 13. Lessons from Peace Movements. A Reflective Analysis. To glean valuable lessons from peace movements that have traversed the tides of time, we will first extricate the successful strategies that bolstered their efficacy. Diverse as these peaceful battles may have been waged in different geographies and timelines, one commonality emerges. The role of harmony in overcoming a multiple of dissonances, nonviolent resistance, a cornerstone tactic adopted famously by figures such as Martin Luther King Jr., Mahatma Gandhi, and Nelson Mandela paved the way for revolutionary changes without the shedding of blood. They channeled the communal strength into peaceful civil disobedience, strikes and protests to confront oppressive systems. Leveraging the power of unity, they invoked a mass movement aimed at disrupting the status quo by refusing to succumb to it. Gandhi's salt march and the Montgomery bus boycott under King substantiate the power of non-violent resistance when mastered by determined communities. A successful peace movement isn't just fighting a battle. It's telling a compelling story. Communicating their narratives effectively played a crucial role in these movements. They garnered international attention and support, mobilizing the global collective consciousness towards their cause. The civil rights movement, for instance, adeptly utilized media to broadcast the harsh reality of segregation, igniting national and international and international outrage and support. Having gleaned the elements of success, it's just as essential to acknowledge where peace movements faltered or failed. Failure to maintain nonviolent discipline, inadequate groundwork, and inability to foster broad, inclusive coalitions are amongst the numerous pitfalls that have beset peace efforts. For instance, the anti-nuclear peace movement of the 1980s sparked a significant global outcry, but failed to sustain momentum due to lack of a cohesive strategy and internal division. In confronting these failures, we find precious lessons. The necessity of a shared vision and commitment the importance of inclusivity and broad representation, the need for sustained effort and the power of effective communication all arise as crucial components for a successful peace movement. In reflecting upon our past, we find profound insights for our present. History is not simply a record of past occurrences, but an indispensable guide-shaping modern efforts for peace. It provides us with strategic foresight and an understanding of what tactics resonate with society and those that breed contention. Today's peace movements, like Black Lives Matter, are direct beneficiaries of the vast historical knowledge of non-violent resistance, tactics, and pitfalls informing their strategy and approach. In the constant tug of war between conflict and peace, history offers not just a mirror to our past, but also a prism through which we can project a spectrum of possibilities onto our future. 
It is a story in which we are both the narrators and the audience, a saga that is forever being written with hopeful though heavy pens. Grounded in the lessons from past peace movements, we galvanize our capacity to imagine, shape, and realize a world where peace is not the interlude between wars, but a sustained symphony of our global song. Part 14. Circling Back. Review of the Nature of Conflict. Circling back to our central discussion on the nature of conflict, let's remind ourselves of how multifaceted this concept truly is. Conflict occupies a broad stage across human history and society, manifesting in diverse forms such as war, genocide, and the dogged quests for peace. We have navigated the turbulent waters of war among ancient civilizations, touched on the grim darkness of genocides in the twentieth century, and found respite in the comforting shadow of peace movements. In our exploration of conflict we came to realize the intricacies and nuances involved in the understanding of it. History, psychology, and societal dynamics all play crucial roles. History provides us with the canvas varying in hue and tonality according to the era explored, upon which conflicts play out. It gives depth to our understanding of conflict while also offering foresight. It tells us that conflict is often cyclical, influenced by the ebb and flow of societal norms, political upheavals, economic disparities, and ideological differences. Psychology offers us lenses to delve into the mind of those engaged in conflict. From the transformation into a combat mentality during the war to the destructive remnants of painful battles in the form of PTSD, we've seen how the human psyche can be twisted, pulled, and sometimes irrevocably damaged due to conflict. It underlines the human cost at the heart of these engagements. Societal norms and dynamics are the stage where these conflicts come to life. Society's reaction to war, genocide, or peace movements often determine their trajectory and intensity. A strained society can be fertile ground for brewing conflict, as seen in our discussions on the Holocaust and the Rwandan genocide. On the other hand, a society that values peace above all else can maneuver its way towards harmony and coexistence, as evident from the role of peace movements and pacifist philosophies. As we step back and appreciate the formidable tapestry woven from our understanding of conflict, it becomes clear that we are dealing with a complex yet pervasive aspect of human existence. Yet it is this very complexity that drives us to understand, explore, and possibly influence future conflicts. Arming ourselves with the knowledge of the past, the insight of psychology, and an astute understanding of societal dynamics, we can aim to engage conflicts constructively. We can draw lessons from the carnage of the past, be vigilant of the mental and societal tremors preceding a conflict, and imbibe the principles of harmony from peace movements. Ultimately, a nuanced understanding of conflict is our collective armor, shielding us and future generations from the cycle of devastation. As we continue to strive toward a world less burdened by conflict, let these lessons guide our actions. May we always honor those who have suffered and endured, learn from their stories, and strive to nurture a more peaceful world, fueled by the essence of our shared humanity. Remember, our interpretation of conflict shapes our response to it. Let's aspire to respond with empathy, understanding, and the irrevocable belief in peace. Part 15 the future of conflict and peace. Within the scope of academic examination, the most fascinating yet apprehensive aspect of conflict lies in predicting its future. 
While delineation based on factual evidence helps us understand historical conflicts, predicting the future can be complex, but equally imperative. Thus, in this section, we delve into current trends, potential future conflicts, and the hopeful advancements in peace movements. Driven by rapid technological advances and shifts in global power dynamics, the nature of human conflict seems poised for significant transformation in the 21st century. Meanwhile, peace movements, though varied and intricate, have become more sophisticated, relying on science, technology, global cooperation, and cross-cultural understanding. One trend sweeping the conflict arena involves cyber warfare. As information technology permeates our lives, it opens that space to exploitation and manipulation. Cyber conflicts blur traditional boundaries, making it challenging to define aggressors and victims. We may be standing on the precipice of an era where traditional warfare is increasingly being replaced by these invisible virtual battles. In light of escalating climate change and demographic pressure, the competition for resources is magnifying. This includes not only tangible resources like water, arable land, and natural minerals, but also intangible assets like intellectual property rights in a technology-driven world. Competition over scarce resources has been a common trigger for conflicts historically, and we could see this dynamic intensify. Ideological conflicts also appear to be on an upward swing. Heightened by the rise of nationalism and radical ideologies, the information technology revolution has presented a double-edged sword, encouraging the convergence of shared interests as well as the propagation of divisive narrative. Terrorism, fueled by extremist ideologies, remains a considerable threat. Amid these harbingers of potential conflicts, there are also sparks of optimism. There is a weighty emphasis on constructive diplomacy, cooperation, and dialogue, all germinating from the peace movements across the world. Pacifism is gaining acceptance in many places, armed with the learnings from the perils of the past. The impacts of these peace movements take various forms. Some manifest as international treaties promoting disarmament, such as the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. Others work through softer cultural channels, including exchanges of literature, arts, and scientific ideas that bridge gaps between nations. The rise in non-governmental organizations addressing a myriad of issues also represents a significant trend in peacekeeping. Whether it's arbitrating in potential conflict zones or rallying support for climate action, these organizations are a testament to the potential of collective human effort. They manifest the belief that peace is not merely the absence of war, but the presence of justice and mindfulness towards all life and the planet we inhabit. As we move forward, our responses to conflict require more scientific understanding, emotional intelligence, and moral imagination. Rehabilitation and reconciliation need to be prioritized instead of retribution. Only through fostering genuine empathy and mutual respect can peace become more than a short interlude between wars. In the face of escalated potential conflict situations, the solution might indeed lie within nurturing peace within ourselves and extending it to the world around us. Part 16. Conclusion. Final Thoughts. Reflecting back on the vast landscape traversed in this analysis, we witnessed the diverse facets of conflict from its historical origins in survival instincts and cultural altercations to the macabre visage of modern warfare and genocide. Undeniably, conflict is a complex, multifaceted phenomenon, intricate and deeply rooted in the human psyche, our societies, and our history.
Paradoxically, it is the same complexity that sparks a perpetual strive for peace. From the remarkable fortitude of peace movements and diplomatic endeavours, we observe the transformative power of pacifism. Humanity's indefatigable spirit to mitigate conflict and foster harmony provides a glimmer of hope amidst the dark, chilling narratives of war and genocide. Throughout our journey we witnessed the horrors wrought by conflict. We pondered over the destructive tendencies of basic human nature and its aberrations, the often overlooked psychological consequences on society and individuals, and the painful scars left by gruesome events like the Holocaust and the Rwandan genocide. State-orchestrated atrocities and the world's tragic inertia in response underline the gravity and scale of these conflicts. However, we also surveyed humanity's resilient resistance against these forces. The inspirational stories of peace movements, such as the Civil Rights Movement, showcase the strength of non-violence and the power of unity. The influence of these movements on society and policies, along with the pivotal role of international institutions like the United Nations in conflict resolution, underscore the potential for peace. In the pursuit of peace, the tools of diplomacy, negotiation, art, and compromise serve as keystones. Highlighting effective negotiations and treaties, we comprehended the important role of international law in upholding justice and deterring potential war crimes. But, as we observed, these methods come with challenges, contentious issues, and room for growth. Historically, peace advocacy through art has wielded an immense impact on society's perceptions of conflict, throwing a spotlight on the atrocities while invoking empathy, hope, and a striving for better. Thus, these tools combined have the power to change the tides, shaping a global ethos against conflict and towards coexistence. None of these discussions, however, would be fruitful without linking them to our future, our shared destiny. Identifying current trends and future possibilities, we recognize the formidable challenges facing us, from resource scarcity to ideological clashes. Nevertheless, we hold optimism, buoyed by the strength of past peace movements and the prospects of pragmatic, innovative solutions. Hence, our journey through the origins, evolution, and implications of conflict while heavy is essential. It calls us to continuously strive for a culture of peace. May this understanding of our past and present guide our steps towards a less hostile, more harmonious future. In reflection, we're reminded of our shared capacity for devastation and reconciliation, for warfare and peace, for hatred and love. And it is within this capacity that humanity's perpetual challenge lies. The crossroads of conflict and peace is not a destination, but a continual, shifting journey, and it is up to us to navigate the path ahead. This concludes our podcast titled The Nature of Conflict, War, Genocide, and Peace Movements. We hope to see you again on our next installment of Professor Lan A.I. Explores Humanity. Thank you.